You're listening to the Illustration Hour podcast, an interview podcast where I talk to illustrators, art directors, and agents about the craft and business of illustration. My name is Julia Dufosse, and I'm an editorial and commercial illustrator based in Chicago. And I'm chatting with creatives within the world of illustration to learn about their process, the challenges they faced along the way, and how to succeed as an illustrator today. Hello, hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Illustration Hour. It's been a busy week uh, for those of you in the U.S. Uh, it was Labor Day weekend this weekend, uh, or this past weekend, and I had a busy weekend, and I'm back at it this week, uh, working on a few personal projects and preparing for some commission work. Uh, and lately, I've been really having fun with... Uh, airbrushes in Photoshop uh, and masking and airbrushing um, shapes in the tradition of, you know, classic airbrush art. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. I've been playing around, experimenting and thinking about my role also as a designer and illustrator, uh, whatever that may mean to me. Um, one of the things that I struggle with a lot, especially as I started to call myself an illustrator, was that I'm interested in a lot of aspects of visual creativity, of, of visual art, and uh, sometimes the term uh, illustrator can feel limiting. At other times, it can actually feel reassuring. And my guest today is somebody who's thought a lot about this particular problem, this issue of generalizing versus closing yourself off and limiting your possibilities and in a way over specializing. So uh, my guest today is Brad Woodard. Brad is an illustrator and a designer. He has a BFA in graphic design and Brad has co-founded with his wife Crystal a design and illustration studio called Brave the Woods and you can actually read more about Brave the Woods on uh Brad's website, which is bravethewoods.com. So uh, Brad has worked with a lot of clients. Uh, he's done a lot of commercial work with people and companies like IDEO, uh, Microsoft, Lyft, Target, CVS, Intel, Coca-Cola, Baskin-Robbins, Honda, and the list goes on. Brad is also a very successful teacher on Skillshare. Uh, he has quite a few illustration courses on Skillshare that are actually very popular. And uh, he recently launched a YouTube channel where he, uh, where he experiments with a new medium or style every uh, video. So uh, I think it's a really cool idea and I actually really like uh, this uh, YouTube channel idea. So you can find Brad on YouTube. Just look for Brad Woodard. And you can also find Brad on Instagram uh, at brave underscore the underscore woods or just search for brave the woods. Yeah, so uh, Brad and I talked 
about his commercial work. We talked about how he went about establishing connections with uh, people at companies like Target, how he goes about reaching out to people via cold emails or uh, other methods. And we also talked about how Brad thought about and thinks about still uh, creating online courses. He shares a few tips that might be helpful to those of you who want to try out online teaching. On that note, I also want to uh, mention that if you want to check out Brad's classes on Skillshare, I actually teach on Skillshare as well. So I have a teacher referral link that uh, I will leave in the show notes to this episode. And if you use that link, you will get access to uh, two months of Skillshare for free. You are not obligated to pay for uh, the subscription. At the end of the trial period, you can just cancel it. So you can get just two months to basically watch a lot of classes. There are some awesome classes on there. And a little disclaimer, if you use that link, I will get a small commission via Skillshare and that will help support the podcast. So if you do want to check out Brad's classes, use that link. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Brad Woodard. Hi, Brad. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy to have you and to pick your brain on so many topics that I haven't been able to really talk about with other illustrators. Um, and also, I know you recently welcomed a, a baby boy into your family, so we congrats did, yes. on that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, right. you you might be you might be a little tired. I don't know. <laughs> always tired with with three kids, we're just always tired. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna make a joke that this is the illustration hour, uh, the fatherhood edition the father, yeah right yeah. uh so first off uh how do you usually describe what you do to people that's a great question because it's evolved over time but yeah i, I typically tell them i'm i'm a illustrator and designer i used and it's funny i used to actually care whether it was like it was designer first and then it was illustrator mm -hmm. you know like which one came first only because I felt like I, I should call myself a designer first because that's what I went to school for and I had some of my degrees in and it was graphic design. So I felt like that was necessary. But now 95% of what I do is illustration. So I'm trying to be better at just saying illustrator and designer or just creative in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Creative, I mean, creative can feel a little vague though. I mean. Very much so. But Depends it's also, it's to, also nice because you can put a lot of things in it. But yeah. so did you go to school for... You went to school for graphic design? Graphic design, yeah. I got a BFA in design. Okay. And uh, is that because you wanted to be a, a graphic designer? Or how did you envision what you were going to do afterwards? <laughs> well, I, I really wanted to go into fine art. That's what that, When I got into college, it was fine art. Um, but I realized that so many people, like once you get in there, you, know, you have your really small talent pool in your own high school. So mm -hmm. you can be a, you know, you could be a big fish in a small pond there, but yeah. it's kind of the opposite when you get into college where everybody's amazing. And so, uh, I was shocked immediately with the talent that was in there and I was like, I don't know if I can compete with this. And so I kind of got scared and I was like, I want to get, I need to, I need to kind of try something else, another route. And I'd heard of graphic design from a good friend of mine, um, Dave Trana, actually, I'll, I'll say his name because he owns Trana Designs down in San Diego and they're a huge, amazing company, uh, or design firm and, um, really talented. But anyway, I, he was kind of the, my inspiration for going the graphic design route. I, I met him when I was a lot younger and, 
yeah, it was, that's kind of what I did it for. I was trying to figure out a way to make money out of my art. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. That, but I, I actually learned to really, really love graphic design. So I'm glad I did it. Yeah. And you still do. I still uh, do design. Yeah. You still do design. Mm-hmm. But when did uh, illustration start becoming a part of, of what you did, you know, of your practice? Was it around the time that you went to school or a little bit after? Um, I always, you know, I kept drawing and everything. So I did a lot of painting, a lot of painting and, and drawing all growing up. My mom was an artist. And uh, I just remember in school, I kind of stepped away from it a little bit. Or I said school, college. I stepped away from, you know, the drawing a little bit until the very end. Uh, or my other, like, courses. Like, I have, like, painting classes and all that stuff. But I didn't, didn't necessarily do it in my free time at all. Uh, I just was focused on design. And so... I was trying to learn the programs and, and, and all that. So I didn't really do a whole lot of it until the very end of uh, my last like semester. I took a class as a digital illustration class and I found out that I could actually illustrate, you know, the way that I was doing it before on the computer. And I had never done that before. And so that kind of opened up my eyes to the, the possibility of being able to, you know, do something like take my illustration, not just analog and bring it onto the computer, maybe do some commercial illustration but i didn't think too hard about that right away it just started as i was working my first job out of college and my second job they kept feeding me more illustration work because i just kind of introduced it on my own in different projects and they're like hey this guy can illustrate so Mm. they kept giving me those types of projects the highly illustrative ones and then i started just doing a little bit more and more of it on the side because i was like oh my gosh i loved drawing and i hadn't drawn in a long time and then started getting client work that way yeah do you think graphic design kind of gave you, uh, I guess there's some skills that I can see that graphic designers have that uh, might be really useful for illustrators even, um, just like thinking about composition, thinking about typography, maybe in a different way. It's not that illustrators yeah. are not able to do that, but I could see how it adds another dimension to your work. Is that something you you found or... Yeah, 100%. I think that's why sometimes okay, another another thing that I call myself when I when I'm titling what I do, I say designistrator because it's really, <laughs> yeah. it's both. I mean, it's, they're both kind of merged together I, at this point where... Well, it gets hard can, to draw, draw a line where exactly like design right? and Think illustration starts. I mean, in branding especially, I noticed yeah. this. Like, you know, when I was drawing logos, I realized that I was just drawing logos i was like i'm illustrating you know right you can make it more illustrative and maybe you can add in some like pattern work or um other illustrations to go along with the brand uh so i found like i can marry the two pretty well but having that background was crucial the design background was very very crucial because now and you know i I am thinking of what you're mentioning as, as those you know composition and and solving problems with my art which makes which is kind of more the commercial art route less fine art Mm-hmm. Uh, fine art's still fun for me, uh, but the yeah. commercial art, I can actually sell it and try to say something a little bit more with it, you mm-hmm. know, just fit a specific case. And so I kind of merge them that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to talk more about, about you know, uh, commercial art. And because I haven't had a lot of uh, people who actually do commercial illustration or commercial art uh, on the show. I've had a lot of editorial illustrators so far. Um, oh, it's sure. a totally different subfield of illustration. But before we do that, I kind of want to talk about Brave the Woods. Uh, it, can you tell me what it is? So, yeah, what? Yeah, so I'll tell you both what 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 Brave the Woods means and what Brave the Woods is. Yeah, yeah, Brave the Woods is our 
illustration and design company. We're actually changing the name. I, I mean, we're not the name. We're going to keep Brave the Woods. We're going to change the, it's going to be just a Brave the Woods, like creative agency, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because right we now do it's so just much. called Brave the Woods. <laughs> Brave or? the Woods. Yep. And we do all sorts of things. I say we, that's uh, my it's wife. It's a studio, right? Crystal. I mean, yep. It's a studio. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, your wife, it, Crystal. Yeah. Yep, she's the other half, and yeah. uh, she does. Uh, she runs all the business, administrative, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and she also does. Uh, she's a writer, and so mm-hmm. she does a lot of the the content for us. And um, but yeah, and then I'm I'm I do the the pretty pictures, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's that's our yeah that's our arrangement. And then we do uh, uh, we do all sorts of things. We do like I said, we do branding work in the design realm. We do uh, a lot of illustrate commercial illustration. We do. Um, YouTube videos, tutorials, mm-hmm. all sorts of all sorts of stuff <laughs> in live workshop, in, in person workshops, stuff like that. Yeah, I I think that's kind of it's really cool that you went into business with your uh with your wife. I, <laughs> yeah, I know there's another like really big uh like a design couple from the Midwest, uh, the Carpenter Co- Collective people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's it's, a, it's him and his wife too. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah, so that I think it's really cool to see teams of people with their significant others. Kind of, I don't know. I think yeah, it's kind it's, of interesting. It's good. It's cool, and it works. It's. I know a lot of people have a hard time like imagining themselves working with their significant other, and it's for us. It's been it's been good because we have separate skill sets, and if we just kind of defer to each other. Mm on what we are good at, like, which we had to learn because we're both kind of stubborn <laughs> in our ways. <laughs> and so we can, if we want to give feedback, it's like, okay, I'll take that with a grain of salt. But like this, I'm kind of the, if it's the art thing, then I'll take the the lead on that. And if it's anything business related, writing, any of that, she takes the lead. So we kind of yeah, stay so in our lane sometimes. <laughs> has she been on board since the beginning or did you start out with just you and she had a, a job or... Since the beginning of Brave the Woods, which we started yeah. back in like 2013, mm-hmm. um, before it was Brad Woodard Design and it was just me. And that was me doing all the and freelance And you were freelancing, work. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we tried to go legit <laughs> and I needed help because I couldn't answer. Uh-huh. There's just too many emails and just not enough time to make it a full-time thing because, you know, I'm doing all the administrative stuff on the side as well. It just took away from the time I could be creating. So she took over my emails she took over invoicing she took over all that and then i was able to work more and make more money and then that's how that worked out so yeah yeah so you were in a position where you had more uh more clients coming in than you had time really yeah it's that there's like yeah there's that always that you talk to a lot of people who who jump make the jump from full like working in a a day job full-time day job and then going off and freelancing there's this uh there's this point where you kind of bottleneck between, you know, you just, there's too much stuff coming in, like you're between your work and you're working all night when you get back on your freelance stuff. It's just, there's a point where you just kind of break. And so that wasn't for me. I was like, I, I have to pick one or the other. I can't do both. Oh, so you were, you were, you had a day job as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was working when I, when I, when I quit and, and started Brave the Woods with my wife, uh, like officially started Brave the Woods, uh-huh. um, I was working in, uh, at, Arnold Worldwide, they're they're a big ad agency in Boston. I see. Okay, cool. So you were doing it on the side for a good while too. Yeah, for a couple couple of years. That's yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Especially <laughs> we were, we were having we had our first kid during that. Oh and so yeah. It yeah, just it got and we moved. So we moved like all over the country. So yeah, we yeah. it was fun. <laughs> yeah. So now. Uh, it's been a while and Brave the Woods has been open for a while, but uh, what sort of clients do you guys get usually? You know, 
I get asked this a lot and I try to tell people, I'm like, I really, I don't know. I mean, we get a lot of, okay, we get, we get a couple different kinds. We get, we get graphic design studios and we get a lot yeah. of ad agencies. Those are the two so main they, ones. So they, they kind of, uh, basically contract the work out to you guys. Yes. Yes. Those are the two. Yeah. That's like our bread and butter is working with those two kinds of groups. Cause graphic designers don't typically have a lot of illustrators on staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, and then ad agencies, I notice a lot more like, cause I was working at an ad agency and I was doing illustration work. Uh, but I was like doing all the illustration work whenever they needed to save money and not hire out a contractor because they could right, pay yeah, a contractor. Yeah, yeah, they had yeah. to pay them a lot, you know? So they would use me, but they don't, a lot of them are kind of pushing out the illustrators and just contracting out for specific jobs. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when I noticed that, it, you know, with Arnold, I, I decided that, you know, I saw too, like how much they were paying out and how much creative freedom that these artists had that they were contracting yeah. out and how little I had working for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm on the wrong side of this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Those are who we usually main, mainly work with. Yeah. And uh, do you think that, it, do you have a lot of contacts from those times? Is that, yes. did that also help you in the beginning to get started and get the kind of projects that you wanted to get? Yes, yes. It's all, well, because especially in like the ad ad world, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I should say both. I mean, like in the design world, they all, everybody kind of stays connected because they, and, but yeah. they all jump around too, especially ad uh, where they, you know, you don't stick with an ad agency typically like that. There's a, there's a lot of attrition in, in, in ad agencies. And so people will start. Oh yeah. How so? Well, I just noticed like, it's a lot of them are based on accounts. So if oh, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, they'll have a large account, but they'll have multiple accounts for this ad agency. And if let's just say one of these major accounts drops that ad agency wants to go with the new one, just kind of start fresh. Then you have like 30 people that don't have a place to be and if you can try to you can try to divvy them out throughout the agency but if you don't have enough they usually just get like oh so um there's a lot of people that kind of there's a lot of turnover and those people go on to different jobs and they work with different agencies and those and then they're looking for illustrators so i've make sure this is one thing i preach all the time is be friends with everybody be like find really talented friends be friends with everybody because then yeah. when, you, when they leave uh, you have the opportunity and that's really what mo- a lot of the work that I have today is all off of those contacts when mm-hmm. I first worked in a design studio at first and then an ad agency next yeah yeah and do you think that um, I know that contacts play a very big part in you getting the jobs that you're getting but I mean also I think there's something about the way that you've have a grasp of both graphic design and illustration that makes it particularly well suited to commercial projects. Very much so. But I uh, think different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. But it, can you elaborate a little on that? Do you think, do you have any, I, I guess, do yeah. you have any ideas of why, you know, what's the difference between commercial illustration and, say, editorial illustration for those people who might not, you know? Yeah. Because well, it's not necessarily like, you know, you can't do both. Uh, I know a lot of editorial illustrators who also do commercial projects, but I think there's a really different approach and uh, different messages usually also. So Sure, yeah. A lot of times, like, so I, I have a super high respect for editorial illustrators uh, because... Mm-hmm. I, 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 on occasion, I'll do editorial illustrations, yeah. and they are... They're hard because you have to come up. I mean, they're they're quick. I like the I like that part about them is they're usually a really quick turnaround and they don't give you a lot of um, back and forth on on yeah. edits and things like that. They kind of give and you, you a lot don't of you kind of don't get tired of the thing you're doing because you're doing something really yeah. fast. Yeah, 
yeah, and it's always so different and stuff like that. Yeah. So I really do like that. Um, but it's a, what I've noticed with with like these, like well, for example, working with an ad agency, a lot of them they're they're more they're built around a campaign, mm-hmm. and so there's a bigger message that has to be then just like if you're working like editorial you usually doing it off of an article but this one there's like a longer broader message that needs to be spread for this campaign yeah. and it goes you know and there's a lot of different moving parts that are happening and so whatever you're creating for them has to kind of work like on mobile it has to work on print it has like whatever the whatever the other um mm-hmm. um restrictions are or whatever the brief is but typically it it's just a lot more in depth and so having the design background i understand their their use case scenario and like and what they would be uh, and how they would be applying my illustrations to whatever they're doing so yeah. if i can if i ha- having that knowledge too i'm like okay I, i'm also going to be thinking about and a few a few steps ahead on like what else is going to be uh, what else are they going to apply it on? What else are they going to need yeah. this for? And how like you know, what types of collaterals are they going to? Yeah, be collaterals, but also like yeah, and how how the audience is going to interact with it because yeah. there's yeah. I don't know I just feel like there's a whole lot more to it and and having the design background really really helped me uh, understand like what's needed even though I'm not doing a lot of the design work uh, they're just having me do the illustrations I understand what's happening and how yeah, they do, need it. Do people sometimes come to you for a total like brand identity project like doing? typography doing all yeah. of that comes into a branding project really mm-hmm. yeah we we do get those on occasion and i do, i love those because i get to apply everything that i know yeah yeah um and i would like more of those but yeah we we typically now just get asked to do most of the time it's illustration work i think that's because it's a little bit more rare um like or i guess i shouldn't say it's rare as um unique uh, mm-hmm. with designers, if you just get a good designer, you're not necessarily hiring them for their style. You're hiring them for their ability to solve the problem. Yeah. And whatever the, the style is dependent on the problem and whatever, you know, well, that Well, although some of them do. have particular styles that they kind of veer they towards. They work in, yeah. 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 But typically, yeah, the, the, the idea is that you're trying to solve the problem, not necessarily push yeah. your style on a project, right? Um, cause who yeah, knows yeah. Who, like who the audience is or whatever, but yeah, for, for illustration, it's, it's a little bit, you know, it's different. Yeah. I do think there's a crucial difference in that a, a lot of illustrators will, you know, kind of pride themselves on having a, a cohesive kind of style of voice, but I've heard you talk about this and I, I thought your perspective was kind of interesting because I think this was in, in, in one of your YouTube videos and also, by the way, I, I want to mention to people that they should check out your YouTube channel. I, oh, I really like you. the project so far. It's really cool. It's you kind of experimenting and trying different mediums. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a cool idea for a side project, I think. Yeah, mediums and styles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then even having some guests on, which is, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was going to say, you you talk about... You have one video about style in particular where you you mention that, you know, although the the, the the dominant philosophy is kind of like as an illustrator, you need to have a very defined style uh, or voice. I don't know how you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of say that you you have um, you've built your career on having a certain versatility and being able to apply different styles to different projects. So can you talk more about that or? Yeah. Yeah. Cause and you're right. A lot of people, I, there, there, I mean, there's the two sides, right? Like people will say, yes, it's totally fine to have lots of different styles, but most people I, I feel would agree that it's, it's having the, 
having a one style is 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 nice because you know I feel like you just like you can continually uh, get better at that one style and improve on it, and yeah. then also it's people can find you and know like what to expect. It's also more, yeah, it's more marketable, like you say, like yeah. it, the expectation. People know what they're getting out of you. Um, That's exactly right. And for me, I get that, and I told, and I and I and I understand it, and I'm envious of people who can do that because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, I could like physically I could do it, but I don't yeah, yeah. want to, and it just would drive me insane because. The way I work is, I think, I, I do think this comes from that design background again, yeah, where it's, yeah. I adjust to solve the problem. It's not necessarily, I have this style and I'm going to push it and say, okay, this is going to be the style no matter what the problem is. Sometimes the problems, you know, need something completely different, different style. Even, even I mean, there's sometimes at the very, like, lowest level of just like, oh, this needs to be vector, so it's going to look a little different than if I'm going to be painting this in Photoshop. Um, if there's some limitations with the, you know, with the, like where it's going to be applied, if it needs to be blown up, I'm going to have to go vectors that change, that may change my style. But beyond yeah. that, it's really, I just, I feel like for me, it's just, I got, I, I like to keep learning and trying these different styles and sitting on one is, is okay. You know, I, I say this too, but a lot of like, if you, if you say draw a dog, I'll draw a dog. And typically like, if you give me, if I didn't have like all the time in the world and it was just like you gave me a specific brief and just said, okay, draw this dog, it'd probably look like everything else that I draw if yeah. I was going to draw like tree or whatever it is. Like just give me something, I would draw it and there's going to be a lot of me coming through in it. Um, whereas if I was planning for a project, I'd probably experiment and try to inject other things in it uh, a little bit more. But there's always a little bit of you that goes through it. So you can still see Brave the Woods in a lot of the yeah, work that yeah. we do and most all the work we do, but it's just interesting that, you know, they can look very, very different. Yeah. Well, I guess also what you're talking about is more uh, maybe voice, the, the, the you that comes through, e- even when you have different styles on different assignments, it's, it's more like a voice thing, I think. Um, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> which is, is like almost a deeper thing that you, it's not as superficial, but yeah, but it's still, it, it it's what unifies your work. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. And then it, what's interesting about that is that it's a little bit counterintuitive that for commercial work, uh, it could work to be very versatile because I often think of commercial projects as like, they don't want to take too many risks <laughs> or they might not want to take as many risks as say, you know, like a magazine where they're doing more experimental kind of like loose, um, like they're letting the, the, the illustrator really imagine the Take piece the, the way that they yeah. want to yeah yeah so i don't know i i i, I find that <laughs> surprising but i was i believe you that it's the case i just yeah. i found it surprising that versatility would be uh i guess would be marketable in that realm i think the answer to that though like the reason why it is is and the people that do it successfully they're people that are easy to work with and they i mean they're easy to work with but they also deliver so uh, I, th- I think a lot of times we, we focus on the art itself, but we don't focus on, you know, what the artist is doing because that relationship they have with the client is super important because if you have that and they trust that whatever you make is going to be awesome or fit their needs mm-hmm. and you, they know you're going to be timely, they know it's going to be quality, they take a lot more risks on you. Uh, and so I think that's that's kind of how we built up Brave the Woods. And a lot of, like I said, we most of our work is from 
referrals from other people. And so, or, you know, just repeat clients. And so having that trust and people just yeah. knowing that I'll, I'll pr- produce something awesome. It doesn't matter what style I'm going to be playing around in, or if I do play in another style and I don't feel it's, you know, up to, you know, uh, up to their quality that it should be, uh, then I won't, I won't send it to them. I'll change it up and do something that will yeah. be, uh, that goes a long way. And I think that's how I'm able to, to do it is yeah. because I have a client base that, that trusts me. Yeah, that's true. And that's a good point. Cause when you're just starting out, kind of selling yourself as having, you know, like I'm very versatile and can adapt everything that might scare people. I didn't start. Yeah. And I didn't start yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, I a good was very point. much, I, I had a style. Yeah. And I stuck with it for the most part. And that's how I got a lot of my work. So yeah. That's so what great was your style listening. like in the beginning? <laughs> very vector. Yeah. It was all, it was pretty much all vector work. Uh, I'd bring it into uh, to Photoshop just to add some textures, but it was bright, colorful texture. It's, so there's a lot of what I do now. But uh, if you look back to my early, early work, there's a lot more. It's a little bit more design um, influenced. Yeah, so, like a, a little bit more graphic in a way. Like very, yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Now it's becoming. I'm kind of merging my painterly, very, yeah. very painterly loose style. Ooh, yeah, with, that's with tough that. to do. That's something I struggle with too. Is like, <laughs> yeah. I, I originally I wanted to go much more vectory, then it started feeling stale. And then you yeah. start adding more stuff. It's it's really hard it to find something that me. you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a great, it was, I mean, it was huge. I mean, there's huge, tons but. of really good artists that work only in Vector. It's just, uh, it's more of a personal preference, really. Part of it, too, for me, I mean, like, I mentioned this before on another on another podcast actually, but just my hand, I, my my forearm and hand from clicking. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, and this is like some super like first world problem. Um, you know, clicking the mouse like carpo, so many times. Carpal tunnel. Or? Yeah, I was like starting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was starting to get carpal tunnel, and, and it just my my forearm would ache, and I couldn't no, that's figure real. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was <laughs> all from thing. clicking clicking around on on Illustrator, and I love Illustrator, and I loved working in vectors. I would build my illustrations rather than draw my illustrations, which yeah. was fun and everything. And but then I had to. It was hurting so bad. I started to try to move everything over to Photoshop and see if mm. I could just draw with my, uh, my Cintiq and a, and a stylus. And so and then all of a sudden the pain was away, went away. And yeah, so yeah. I've now, it's a lot more ergonomic in a way. <laughs> so I rarely go into, to like, I don't, I rarely do a full project in illustrator now just because I know how bad it hurts my hand and my arm. And so then I've, I've really adopted other things like the Cintiq, but also the iPad pro. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I see that you use a lot of, of Photoshop um, and this might be a little too like illustration talk, but uh, for me, I, I feel like I can't, I can't be as exact in Photoshop as I want to be. So I, I find that I have to do, I kind of like the way I work is I make these shapes in Illustrator and then I move, I move it over to Photoshop, separate colors and do like these uh, masks on each color and I apply yeah. the texture on top so it looks like it's painted, but it's like painting neatly into these little masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a very like. <laughs> specific kind of like a method. Yeah. It feels very, it's a very time consuming thing because you have to, there's like two steps and then, you know, it feels a little, I don't know if it's necessarily yeah. the best way to do it. Um, I do but, the same thing. Oh, you do? I do. I bring in, the, yeah, I bring in my live shapes, bring them in and I mask them and. 
I'll, I'll texture them up and things like that. So especially if it needs to be like very geometric otherwise, but yeah. I found, I found on, cause I like the juxtaposition of the geometric with the kind of more. Yes. And so yes. that's why, yeah. that's what I go for usually. And I found that I can't just use Photoshop. I tried to, but it just doesn't work for me. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's like just what you get to learn. I, I've played around with all of them so much that I kind of just, whatever the project needs, I'll kind of, I'll merge a few different programs if I yeah. need to. But photo, I, I've noticed uh, Procreate on iPad Pro, uh, it's like one of the, it's like a perfect medium for me because, yeah. medium ground, because I'm able to like, you can build shapes and hold the line and it snaps. So I can kind of make it yeah. feel really clean and, um like build my shapes i can still kind of draw i'm still drawing but they're building shapes and uh, yeah. it's a nice little in between happy in between i think i i i love procreate a lot especially since the price is just it's just really good i oh, mean yeah. there's no subscription and the the app is i think adobe could learn a lot from the way they designed the app too yes. but it's it's great but i guess i don't know for me i still prefer photoshop brushes and effects there's a much more control over the way that like the layer opacities the way that you apply mass i find that you get more granular control and for me i just haven't found a way that i it looks quite right in procreate like it's yeah no i i agree too like i'm getting better and better like i'm i'm pushing myself more to just like, okay, how can I figure this out mm. in Pro, in Procreate? What am I doing over here in, in Photoshop? Because everything, most of this stuff's hid, right? Like that's the thing about Procreate is like your interface is hidden for the most part. So you have to kind of find things. So it took me a long time to figure out that, you know, Procreate was this op- awesome tool with all these different um, yeah. settings that I had no idea existed because you have to dig really deep to find them. Yeah, it's, which, it, but it's quite amazing that they put all of that in such a yes. tiny little package. I mean, it's it's... It's amazing. It's impressive. But, but yeah, you're right. It's it it's is, there's yeah. growing pains in 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 trying to go from Photoshop to it, especially if you're trying to mimic exactly what you do in Photoshop there. You can I yeah. for me I've had to adjust a little bit. And uh but yeah, I agree. It it is hard to mimic it over those two platforms. So you don't have a set process for creating your illustrations. <laughs> it's really on uh it depends yeah. on the project and what's you know what style you're going to go for and the applications. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard. It's frustrating to like say that sometimes because it's like I can't give you any actionable advice. But yeah, that's kind of how. No, but I mean that's yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, I'll adapt it. Sometimes I'll be just purely sketching, uh, really loose sketching, and then I'll mm-hmm. paint over it. And other times I'll be building shapes, uh, which like I, I like to say that, like that's how I did Illustrator. I worked in Illustrator was just building up shapes, and then yeah. I would kind of texture and draw over top of them. Yeah, and so I kind of get the structure down, and then I kind of paint within it yeah, like, with yeah. masking. Like yeah, you were, that's like how you I mentioned. work. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And sometimes I guess you also just you just paint in Photoshop directly too. No. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's really. I mean, that would that's stressful, but in a way, it must be uh, liberating as well to know yes. that you can use all these different things. Do you ever? Um, you ever work from start to finish in Procreate? Because I always wonder if people actually like go to a finished product with Procreate. Yeah. I actually did an entire animation uh, mm. for for I, I didn't sorry I did I didn't do the animate. I worked with a I worked with an agency and they had an animator and uh, I did all the illustration work frame by frame every piece uh, layered and uh, I sent the whole thing I did the whole thing in Procreate. Yeah, I um, like doing that in Procreate a lot. It's yeah. so easy to like. 
do kind of like an onion skin kind of effect, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, like lowering very... the opacity, and it's it's so easy to work with. I it do like that. Really is. Yeah. Well, but yeah. So to answer your question though, with Procreate, yes, I do. I do most of my projects now all in photo in in Procreate. Really. Uh, start start to finish. Yeah. And so and it's funny you mentioned that, and I really wish now that I had already finished this course, which I was supposed to have it finished last week, and I didn't. But I I teach on Skillshare, and uh, I know. Yeah. My next my next class is act that I'm building right now is loosely titled like how to start how to how to finish a, a, an illustration from start to finish and procreate <laughs> for a client mm -hmm. like a client job so uh, there's like all these hidden tools that can help you do that so you feel comfortable doing it uh and i i'm trying to pick out what those are and uh, that i use and try to like highlight them in a, in a course so that course is coming soon but yeah, yeah. you can't that's that's actually something I wanted to talk about too, but it's the perfect segue that I wanted to talk more about how what's really kind of amazing about you is that you have, it seems, a lot of uh, sources, streams of incomes. So you don't depend just on uh, commission work to kind of make uh, to make your income. Uh, yeah. You you have uh, Skillshare side of things, which is like online courses and. I think you have like a few digital products that you did mm -hmm. with Retro Supply, yep. and I you also have workshop or workshops. Yeah, or, so we yeah. we do live workshops. Uh, we do webinars. Yeah, um, I do. I lecture, uh, but yeah, we do we do all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. And it's yeah, yeah. There's a we started kind of the workshop started last year when we saw the every June we looked at our our calendar from every for the past few years and we're like every june we're slow we always have a slow june or june or july is really slow and so we decided that why don't we go we want to like maybe that's a good time to vacation but also yeah. if we want to make some money why don't we like pay for the trip by doing workshops and traveling mm -hmm. to the places Cause we like to road trip as a family so we just drove all around the midwest and uh set up seven different in seven different cities uh workshops and so we did live workshops that way and paid for the summer and it was fun <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, that's interesting that you mentioned it because I hear a lot of graphic designers talking about that more openly, having multiple streams of income and the way that they kind of like make ends meet and deal with the uncertainty of freelance work. Yeah. Um, but I don't hear tons of illustrator uh, talk about that. And I think it's for some reason, it's a little bit more taboo in the field of illustration. Even the idea of talking about money or self promotion is something that some illustrators recoil from. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on why why it's like that? I think because there's not a set standard for pricing. Like mm. you kind of have industry, maybe I would say it's hard to even say industry standard, but you can kind of see like what most people would pay for for a specific type of thing like i know for editorial like yeah. for each size right if it's like a quarter page full page cover i kind of have an idea depending but it also depends on the size of the magazine yeah, um, yeah. but it but can having, vary a lot yeah yeah and having done them enough like i can kind of tell okay this this is how big you are i know this typically goes for around this for that size of studio or whatever that i'm working or agency that i'm working with um but I think what I think what's hard is that there is no real like this is it. This is how you price things. And there's you know people still price things by hour. Some people price them by project. Uh, then then in the illustration world, it's really hard because you know you have to get into uh, licensing and usage rights yeah. and 
and so I feel like there's just it's 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 hard to pinpoint something and say yeah this is how much this is worth but you're also 10 years further in your career and you have a very specific style so maybe you charge more because people can't get it anywhere else Mm -hmm. and they're paying for your experience and so all how do you how do you gauge that a lot of the time how do you tell somebody yeah this is what you should price it but we always ask each other we you know We'll be like, hey, so what are you thinking? I remember I haven't done one of these types of projects. I get these all the time, and I do the same thing to other people. I'm like, so you've done a lot of these types of so projects, right? you talk right? with other uh, illustrators and designers about I do. Yeah. I have no shame, I, yeah. and I don't care to share is anything that I, you know, my prices or anything. Yeah, I think that's I'm really good, yeah. But you kind of have to because I don't – how yeah. else do you do it? Like, Well, but so there's maybe something also about the – I think maybe because you are, you know – identifying as a graphic designer as well sometimes illustrators think of themselves more as artists um which is it's fine but i think maybe you would think of yourself as an artist as well in some Mm -hmm. way right yeah uh but creative designer (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) but i think that when you define yourself as an artist sometimes there is the kind of idea that, that you can't like thinking about money business is is not is not appropriate or maybe is is not worth your time no, um i can't speak for them but i know that coming from the commercial side that's what i i mean i'm very interested yeah. in that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, no and, i know, you know like, and, that's and why I think, and maybe that's what it is yeah 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 but i think it's a shame that like as a field like illustration there's not a lot of people talking openly about these things and i think especially for people who are starting out it's so intimidating because of that and it's very hard to know you know reliable information about how the industry works and there's so many subfields but you know just a general idea of how you make money illustrating really yeah and and yeah i definitely think it's important too that people have like a mentor like that that really helped me is coming into the field you know and not really knowing a lot of this stuff, especially with usage rights and all that was just yeah. that was a beast to learn uh, and I learned the hard way <laughs> a lot of the times, uh, but connecting with super talented people that were already doing it, uh, was a huge help. I mean, I called up uh, a couple of friends that like right off the bat that were extremely helpful was, uh, Ty Matson or not Ty. Oh, like Ty Matson was as well. Actually. Uh, I met with him uh, early on in my career. He was super helpful, but, um, Ty Wilkins, uh, was a huge mm. influence on me and helped uh it really helped me understand the the business side of it and so was Scotty Rife Snyder. I'm not sure if you know him. I do not. Yeah. Uh very there's very so talented. many people that are oh, so talented. <laughs> it's like hard to keep track of everyone. Super I might know talented. him and not remember his name. I don't know. Well, yeah, he'll have to look him up after. But yeah, yeah he he uh I, I remember I remember the phone call calling him up and him answering. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm talking to Scotty Rife I'm talking to Ty Wilkins. I couldn't believe they'd answer." And they were extremely helpful and uh, kind of the big reason why, I mean, Ty Wilkins is the one that was the reason why I moved to Austin in the first place, but to start mm. Brave the Woods. And uh, because he was there and he was really helpful and I became good friends with him. Uh, but having people like that, it really, it really is encouraging, but it also helps you understand things a lot quicker because it's hard to just like shoot it out in the ether and say, mm-hmm. you know, on, the, on social media and be like, hey, how much do you charge for this? Like no one's going to answer you. Yeah, um, yeah. But if you talk to someone like personally and s- kind of break it down with them, and they, it, that mentoring was really, really helpful for me, and I'm really yeah, I don't know, but grateful. all your mentors are mostly commercial illustrators, though. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, it's, also, okay, another one that, uh, I mean, I, that's true. That's true. But I mean, but for those like who are, who aren't commercial illustrators, I feel like if they could find a mentor in their, uh, you know, in your space, in yeah. your niche, uh, I feel like. And it is possible. Kind of the there are some way. people talking about those things or that are open to talking about them. But they, and that's the thing, like Ty, Ty and Scotty, neither one of them were talking about it. I called them up because I, I mm-hmm. liked their work. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really a, me taking initiative and asking and uh, just being like, can I get on a call with you? I need some help. And Yeah, uh, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. that, that's kind of true, too, because what, what I'm reaching out to people for the podcast and kind of asking them these very pointed questions about the business side of things, it's not like anyone so far has been, you know, uh, no, I, I don't think about those things or, yeah. you know, I won't talk about those things. No one has said that. So I, I guess you're right also that it's not just, uh, it's not that they don't want to talk about it. They just haven't been talking about it publicly or sharing, I mean, you know. Um, it's it's like, uh, who's going to willingly like jump into it? I mean, there are people like this, but I'm definitely not this person who's going to jump in willingly into the middle of a conversation and start talking politics. And, you know, yeah. I mean, like, that's just not me. I'm not going to, ju- w- I would love to talk politics, but I'm not in front of a bunch of different people and just kind of, yeah. oh, here, here, like nobody's asking for my opinion, but I'm jumping in and giving it that. I think that's, that's, that's kind of what it feels like with, 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 uh, pricing, you know, nobody wants to jump in and t- tackle this big subject or just, you know, be misquoted or whatever and be like, well, my gosh, that person charges that much or you're doing it completely wrong. It's like very personal too, when you're pricing, cause you're pricing your own value. Yeah. as a creative and yeah. that's scary yeah. and that's uh and and to think that you're pricing yourself lower than another creative might make you think you know might make you feel like you're lesser than them or you're whatever it is like mm-hmm. there i feel like there's a lot of emotions attached to it so if it's just like just like the politics thing so if you're asking in private i feel like you're much more likely to get a, a straight answer from somebody mm-hmm. and yeah. a better conversation than trying to shoot that out in social media or, or expecting someone to come out and just lay it all out for you <laughs> how did you connect with those people um practically Dif- i guess yeah yeah different ways like some of them i just cold called uh mm-hmm. but a lot of these people that i that i found early on was by i actually i <laughs> so i had a blog and uh, if they're listening now they're gonna be like wait a minute no i i had this blog that i started in school in college and uh i started interviewing art I interviewing artists that i respected and and liked and and uh I remember asking, remember, remember specifically saying in my email when I reached out to them, like, "Hey, I'd like to. I, here's like, a, I just have like five questions or something that I wanted to ask you um, that my, you know, my viewers would love to to know more about." And blah blah blah. I didn't really. I don't even think I had any viewers. Like honestly, <laughs> I just, I just really wanted to find a really nice segue into asking them questions without. You know, be feeling weird and saying, oh, it's just for me. You know, much more likely they're going to answer if they're saying, oh, yeah, it's going to be for other people. And it's going to, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, I kind of. That's actually a really smart tactic. <laughs> I think I heard Neil Gaiman did that when he was like a really young teenager and he was trying to talk to famous writers. <laughs> he would just reach out and he had like a made up magazine that he would. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly like the same. Yeah, yeah. He would pretend to be like part of a major magazine or something and i do remember that actually <laughs> yeah for me it was just acting bigger than i was right and just yeah yeah but, but people are more yeah. likely to answer your questions if they think you're you know interviewing them for, for mm-hmm. something you know that's, that's true yeah and i, and I didn't want to like obviously I, I was i was really young and i didn't expect anybody to answer me so that's why when i did it i was just like 
it's for my it's for my blog. It really, that was just kind of like the put it in front of me as like a as a nice little shield to any embarrassment or yeah. them yeah. not a- answering or whatever. So and they'd answered, and so when they did, it was really nice because they were all my questions, not my viewers' questions, and yeah, they yeah. answered them in my blog. Yeah, that's that's really great. Yeah. Hey, the show will be back in just a minute. Uh, This is a very short interruption to tell you about an exciting way that you can help support the podcast and it doesn't cost you a penny. If you like the podcast, I have a newsletter called Art Club uh, where I share four or five things, uh, inspiration, tools that I've been using, purchases I've been enjoying, uh, articles I've enjoyed reading, four or five things every week, short, concise. It's the kind of newsletter I like getting. So if you like the show and you want to support it, please consider subscribing to the newsletter. And you can find the newsletter if you go to our website, which is illustrationhour.com. Actually, go to illustrationhour.com forward slash art club. So that's illustrationhour.com forward slash art club. And you can sign up for the newsletter. And of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. Thank you so much. And uh, now back to my conversation with Brad Woodard. So how does uh, your income usually, where does it come from? Like, I know it comes from different places, but Mm -hmm. do you rely mostly on the commission work for your income or not really? As of last year, 50% of our income is not client work. Okay. Yeah, so, so that's a fair, fair amount. That was our goal. Yeah, yeah, that was our goal. We wanted it to, was okay. Yeah, our actual goal is to be uh, about eighty percent non-client work, twenty percent client work. And why um, is that? It's I, I feel it's more stable. Yeah, uh, and it's not that I don't like client work. I I absolutely love client work, and yeah. I love getting briefs because you know it's the restrictions really help me and, and it helps me focus and I create things that I never thought I, you know, I never even mm-hmm. would have thought of on my own. So I really, I really do like client work and I just want to be way more selective. Yeah. I, I'm selective now. Like we're, we're getting like more and more selective as, as you know, my career goes on. Um, cause I have that ability to now. And, uh, but it's not as selective as I'd like. And I'd like to be tackling a lot of these other projects because I like to teach a lot. Um, yeah. and, I like to be, I don't know. I just like to, I like to pass on a lot of the, the stuff that I'm learning now. I'd love to just pass that on and let people uh, who are, who are getting just started or struggling getting into this field uh, feel a little bit more comfortable doing so, or just enjoy the process of creating. And so for me, I just love meeting people. I love lecturing. I love workshops. And so I'd love to do a lot more of that and creating product like products, like the digital ones you're talking about, my brushes that yeah. I do with retro supply. Those are just a really nice buffer, uh, just a- added bonus. Right. And I can still, I can, I can still, um, connect those up with workshops and things like that. So oh, yeah, I can yeah. say, you know, just the way that we've, we've set it all up, it works out really well that way. But I, I mean, I also sell posters and I get commissions through that. I get, I get money through like, royalties through children's books yeah. Um, but yeah, so lots of other things. Out of those 50% that doesn't come from commission work, what would you say is your biggest kind of driver in that category? Skillshare. Oh, uh, really? Skillshare for sure. Yeah. 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 That's as of now, like that's, that's what it is. And I, we, uh, I you started got in pretty early in the, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, I have to always let people know that because they're like, how is Skillshare? I'm like, well, it makes me a lot of money, but, 
it will probably not be the same for you right away, at least. And maybe it will. Maybe, I mean, there, there's a good chance it could. I think it's, um, it takes some investment. I have one class on Skillshare. I'm not yeah. super proud of it, but, you know, yeah. I, I, I plan on making a little more. And I think when you just have one class, it can be really hard to... You it's have hard to so balance. many. You have a it, lot of classes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And that's like I said, it's like, what is that, six years, seven years uh, of working with them. And so, and that was like, I literally started when they were just getting into breaking up their content into different groups. Yeah. Like design and illustration. And there was less competition, I'm sure. Also. Oh, a whole lot less. And I was the first one to teach an illustrator class and everybody oh, wanted so to learn cool. illustrator. And so that class still, I, I don't I'm off the top of my head, I don't know, but it has like 60,000 students or something crazy. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like evergreen. It yeah. keeps, yeah, it keeps driving people. It's so, weird. Yeah. And it's weird. Cause like, I, I mean, the, if, if, if people are listening now and wanting to go to it, they're going to be like, Whoa, this is super dated. And I look way younger just by the way. Um, but this, the content is, I mean, I've still, people are finding it very useful. I, I'm going to actually try to update it. Uh, it's just, you can't replace the class itself once it's yeah. up. And so you have to create a new one. And that's kind of like, Shoot, now I want to get rid of the old one because I don't want people like people are now commenting like it's a little dated, and I'm like, I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's how. Yeah, Skillshare for sure was one of the. It is still the top, one of my top, you know. Yeah, and I, I guess over the time that, that you've been teaching on it, it's grown a lot. The community also. Yes. Uh, yes. And yeah, it, it's a uh, it's pretty big now. Uh, there's a it lot is. of illustration classes. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's getting harder and harder to make come up with new classes um, for me, at least. So I kind of have to take it. I have to look at it and try to find a different take on other classes. Maybe other people are teaching and try to teach it in a different way that, you know, there might be another group that they're missing out or a different, you know, few different eyes that aren't going to be looking at that because they're like, oh, I'm more of a designer. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to approach it with more of a designer, you know, uh, standpoint view or whatever. So, yeah. That's why this Procreate class, I think, is going to be should be successful. I feel like because there's people teaching Procreate basics, but I'm going to yeah, title this are. one something very specific. To yeah, 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 yeah. Those I of you who use it, this is how you can finish a project and a professional project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's not a lot of that. It's a lot more um, how to use Procreate, you know, mm-hmm. like a basics. But um, I. For people who, you know, illustrators and creatives who might be interested in how um, and how to create their own uh, online courses, do you have any recommendations or advice that you would give them? For for creating their own? Yeah. What you're saying? Yeah. No. So, yeah, a couple <laughs> different things. Yeah, a couple different things. So Maybe you can make a class about that. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that's actually been on my list. That's one of my other Yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's a good idea, yeah. It is. I'll, I'll give you credit. Um, th- one of the things that I noticed is when people are creating classes they, and that don't understand why this isn't successful, mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's because they are creating something that they think other people want to know, but they don't necessarily are, they're not necessarily passionate about it themselves or known for it themselves. Yeah. And so when you do that, it's hard to be one passionate, but also two have a unique take on it because you're just kind of regurgitating information that you've seen mm-hmm. and, and not necessarily putting some new, new flavor in it at all. So like when you're, when I'm looking at other courses, if I, if I do have something that I want to teach that somebody else has already taught, uh, which is probably the case now on Skillshare. Uh, I try to think, like I said earlier, I was, I was trying, I try to come up with some way that I can, I can change 
up the angle a little bit, make it a little more personalized to me and, yeah. and, and try to figure out a smaller niche, break it down. Like, okay, yeah, it could be this over, like it could be how to teach illustrator, you know, like, or how to learn how to, how to use illustrator. But then you could break that down and be like, how to make shapes in illustrator, break that down further and be like, mm-hmm. okay, using this specific tool or use this specific tool. If you're a, if you're an illustrator or if you're a designer or for making logos, whatever it is, like you can break those down a little bit more um, to make them more niche. And that's, that's one way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but also other people that are, when you're making content, it's just, you have to, you have to realize that, you know, there's, there's so much out there yeah. that if you, if you literally don't put your own stamp on it, it's just kind of get lost. I'm, I'm noticing this in YouTube just, and that's not even oh paid God, content. Yeah. That's free content. And yeah. it's just, just so much there. Like, how do you stand out? And I'm still trying to figure that out, but um, I've decided that I'm just going to stick with who I am and how, like how I work and, and kind of keep my niche and maybe, and, and again, so I guess on the, in the YouTube side, uh, when you're, when you're sharing content like this or creating content, it's more important that you find that niche than just like the general audience. Now my, I, I say that and I have that illustrator course that's gone crazy on Skillshare and that's, yeah. that's just kind of an anomaly cause it was the first. Um, uh, yeah. And also, yeah, I think, yeah, it was one of the first. And so, uh, there is a need for courses like that. And yeah, people look for those. I think there's still new courses that are kind of general like that. That are like master classes, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's hard to do that. Also, it's probably not the best first course to make. Actually, no, no. Like your first course, I feel like you should ask around and ask people what they think you're good at. Like, what mm-hmm. would they want to learn from you? You can mm-hmm. do surveys too. You can shoot out a survey to friends on social. And just see what they say, and say like, if I was to teach you, if I was gonna, if, if I was gonna teach a class, like, what would you like to learn from me? Mm-hmm. Not just mm-hmm. what would you like to learn. What would you want me to teach you? And then like, what are some of my strengths? Like, what what are you what are you interested in that I do, or how, however you want to phrase that. But you think you're good at certain things, or you think you're known for certain things, but that might be different. You know, that mm-hmm. might for for everybody else looking in, they may think, oh well. Like I did, I did that when I first started, when I was trying to get some of my other courses and people kind of surprised me. Like I, I didn't realize how much people were looking at the textures that of what I did. And mm, I, yeah. I know I played around with textures, but I didn't realize how big of a deal that was in what, like how much, how m- big that played in like when they looked at my work, like how much they liked it. Like they were like, that's, I like the texture work. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I did, I would I thought you just liked the illustration, but they're like the texture work specifically is what they liked. And so I oh, wouldn't have made a class about it. I think it's so there's so many different techniques for also for creating texture. Yeah. Uh that it, you know, it can be a little overwhelming when and you don't know a everything. lot about yeah. And you're creating everything on the computer. That's the yeah. problem. Now. I, that's why I jumped into doing textures a lot more because I wanted to make my computerized art feel a little bit more approachable and and tactile i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard when it's just on a screen all the time yeah yeah and so speaking about texture you also have these kind of digital brushes that you created with dustin lee of retro supply mm-hmm. um he's he's really impressive too it just the, the things Very he's created is so. just wow uh yeah he's an awesome guy too yeah, yeah. So did you actually, was it you that created the brushes or did you guys work together to make them? Because I know I have, I use actually the, uh, which ones are the, the, the Golden Book ones? The 
Oh yeah, uh, Woodland Wonderland. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I use those in Photoshop. I, I really like them. I, I like oh, the thanks, gouache, yeah. uh, the gouache brushes in that set. I really like. Um, but, but yeah, how, how did, who made yeah. them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because I know he he does a lot. I mean, he makes he a lot of brushes. So he, he so yeah. The way this is how our arrangement works out. So. I had talked to him initially. We had, we we kind of connected, and and he was a big fan of my my Skillshare class. He was like he was a student in my Skillshare oh, classes. Oh, I see. And my early ones, and so he reached out, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, I, I love your courses, and I you know I like your work." And so then I was like, "Oh my gosh, I like your tools." And so we 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 ended up that we became friends way back then, like when I first started Skillshare, and we've been friends since. And uh, and, and I remember telling him one point, I was like, I want to do, or he, I think he maybe asked if we want to do a brush set together. And I said, I really want to do a brush set. But the thing that bugs me as an illustrator, uh, is that I'll get like 300 brushes in a pack for like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use four of them, five yes. of them. Yeah. And that's, that sucks because there's so many, like you buy it because of the value, right? Like, Oh my gosh, I have 300 brushes. Like yeah. I'll always, I'll have brushes for everything. And half the time, like you just, you don't even use any of them except yeah, for like curation one or two of your favorites. And selection is really important. Like having the quality. Exactly. And, That's and what this was. Specifically was what idea. you need for them for too. <laughs> yeah. Like, Cause if you have like a thousand brushes, it's just hard to like, I mean, you're not going to use all thousand you, how do you sift through them and then you don't get yeah. like a yeah you have to bring up like a whole new pdf that shows you what all the marks look like and that doesn't even show you like how it reacts yeah and even so, from the pack the the woodland wonderland pack i yeah for example i only use like maybe three same most often i, I do so, too you same know, about like, three or four every once in a while I'll like venture out and get it yeah, for a yeah. specific project but you have the ones that you like. And so that was what I was, when I, we had started, we wanted to do a brush pack together because he wanted me, he was relying on me for the illustration uh, work to kind of promote it, obviously. I know, yeah, you did the illustrations for that one and then there's, there's another, or another couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was, and I just remember when we were talking about it, I was like, I really just want something more curated. I think it would do better. And for me as an artist, like if you told me, like, here's an application that you can, you know, for, for these brushes. And even though you, uh, clearly you can use those Woodland Wonderland brushes on so many different things. They're made, they're made up of pencils and watercolor, you know, brushes and stuff like that, which you can use on any style. Yeah. Uh, but And I'll put a link to those too in the show notes because I oh, love those. I, I just think they're, they're so worth it. At least for me, they've been worth it. Yeah, I mean, they, and what I what I like about those is just, and it comes with a tutorial too. So if you buy the pack, mm-hmm. you get a curated like twenty five brushes with, you know, a really nice like PDF that we put together or uh, that actually Dustin put together that had um, uh, like the brush strokes. And I kind of I wanted to sh- I, I was trying to show off the different strokes like a line and how it look if you just put a dot on there. So yeah. we have different ways. It's just it's just a more curated experience so that you understand yeah. like exactly how these brushes work what you can and then we have an instant application for what you can use it for and uh and that kind of gets people excited so i when we when we worked on that first pack the space ranger pack together we got super excited the sales were really great on those packs and so we're like and we got great feedback from it and so we went on and built a bunch of other ones i've done a few procreate ones as well and who does the uh all the technical stuff really the you know like because when you make brushes you know you're probably scanning real world textures that you've either created with paint or, yeah. you know, so is that something that both of you would do or just, yeah, 
So yeah. that that part, yeah, it depends on the brush pack. More heavily, uh, Dustin sometimes uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, with the textures, but a lot of times, what I do is actually literally we're doing a pastel set right now. I just bought oh, some cool. oil pastels because I have some chalks already that I've used, and I ha- I've never really used oil pastels. So right now, I'm experimenting and just playing around oh, with that's it. Awesome. Yeah, and then I'll probably and then I'll then I'll talk to him. And so what I'm what I'm trying to learn is. I'm trying to figure out how they behave, like how these tools behave and like what you and what applications you use them for. And then I talk so to him. So you mean like in an analog way first? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because we want these to mimic, you know, the analog right, tools. Yeah. So I'll talk to him and I'll say, you know, hey, this is this is kind of what I want. This is how they behave. And then he'll give me tools. He'll make the tools and uh, the digital brushes. And he'll so send you're them a little over bit like me. a guinea pig almost. Yeah. Slash, yeah. like you're giving him. It's like you're he's doing like market research on you a little bit, like almost, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're like the informed user and you're giving him like you're telling him exactly what you want and need for your particular needs, I guess. It's exactly right. Yeah. And it's, that, that's exactly right. He's like, Such okay, a I smart have way to. Yeah. And it's nice for me because now they're brushes that we're selling. Right. But and I'm getting, you know, I'm getting paid for, for those brush sets. But. I'm also, there are also brush sets that were made specifically for me, which is yeah. kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, you've so got your own, tools, like, yeah. yeah, collection of, yeah, that's mm-hmm. really, that's really awesome. But it's a good, it's a good um, partnership that we've, we've created. It, we're, we really lean heavily on each other for, you know, what we do best. And, and he's so good at marketing and he's so, uh, yes. and he's so good at making these tools that I, and I, and I don't even dabble in making tools. I was actually thinking about, I know how to, um, make them not nearly as good as he does. And so I actually stopped learning the brush side of it because I was just like, I'm not going to make brushes without him because I've, I've, I like the partnership and he's so good at it that I, yeah. I'm just focusing yeah. on the concept now and, and what brushes we want to have and the illustrations to promote it. Yeah, I mean, that's another example you were mentioning before, like getting in contact with other creatives and really learning from them and asking them questions but i guess also in this case it can be really interesting to collaborate and play off of each other's strength in the way that you've done with dustin for sure yeah uh do you it's such a hard thing to kind of teach or talk about is like these kind of like digital products because it's not like uh i can see that a lot of illustrators would be able to create these products or at least you know because they have a need for them, they would be able to like kind of anticipate others' needs for, yeah. you know, like digital brushes and stuff like that. But it's also just, it's a very technical and also a process that takes a lot of time uh, and effort. Even, you know, you were talking about the marketing and uh, having the framework to kind of sell them is, is also a lot of work. But very I don't know, so. I guess you've, you never thought about venturing on your own to do it. No, no, and that's why I wouldn't be a great person to ask like much yeah. about th- that part. Just because, I mean, if if you think about how wide his audience is and like or how big his audience is, but also how niche his audience is, because they're looking for retro effects, and my style tends to skew retro. Yeah, um, there's no better fit for what I create. Like if I'm creating something, almost everything I make could live on the Retro Supply site as as promotional artwork and so it's just a no-brainer to work with him because he has a huge email list and he's so talented at what he does and we're really really good friends at this point that 
there's no point in me splitting up that that yeah. audience that he has yeah. by saying like, oh, now go to my stuff and go to his stuff. I, I'd rather have it all funnel through him and just have and and work with him because I trust him, and uh, we do so much better work together than yeah. I, I think I would alone. I think that's smart. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you have any other? You mentioned you had also the workshop side. Is that something that is a big part of your uh, of your income or? We not hope as much. It can be. No, not this time around. No, we've only done it. So I've done workshops. Uh, I do like, I'll do corporate workshops. I do workshops at uh, conferences or. What are, uh, what are corporate workshops really like for you? Like, sorry, what did uh, you say? Th- like what sort of corporate workshops? Oh, like if it just, it's so basically what I'm doing at a lot of these conferences, doing them for, for big companies. So big companies will call in and say, hey, we would like you to do uh, a workshop for like a, an illustration workshop for our you know, or whatever, our specific team. Oh, and so, so you're teaching like a team of designers or something? or Yeah, or illustrators that they have yeah. on staff. And uh, and then it's just kind of outside inspiration for them, which is nice. Uh, yeah. Also, like it could be a fun break for them to do this. Uh, yeah. The best scenario is when I get to work with them and collaborate and say, hey, what are, the, what are your needs? Like, for example, like if they're like a big company and they need, they have... Um, you know, they have different lines of something coming out, uh, you know, they, or there's very seasonal, the stuff that they do. It'd be nice to be like, okay, what are some of your goals? What season's coming up next? What are you working on now? Are you working on Christmas stuff? Are you working on this? Let me do a workshop that could kind of align with what you're doing and can help, you know, your artists. Or what do they need? Like, what are your creatives on staff, like, lacking? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can come in and teach a, 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 an illustration course around that. Um, yeah, That's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, but so far you've only done this for a year, I guess, right? Uh, those have done more. I've done the the one I was talking about for the year was just uh, the, the us venturing out and doing a workshop tour. Oh yeah, okay. um, that was my wife setting up all the different venues and and setting it. We like we did all that internally, just sold the tickets, everything, yeah. and picked the venues and the food and all that stuff, and got That's sponsors. That's a lot of work, too. yeah. It was a lot of work, and my wife gets. It's like ninety percent of that credit. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like probably like a much less important in terms of your total income. Yeah, and that's the 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 goal is to increase that. We've learned a lot from that last t- tour that we did. It mostly paid for a big long vacation and mm-hmm. for our bills for that month. That's not bad. <laughs> Which was fun. It was a month long vacation, so it was good. And do you get a lot of money from selling your uh, your own you know merchandise and you know posters no. stuff like that? <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah. Outside again, if we sh- if I sell things like I do sell uh, like pennants and posters and things like that, but I sell like the the ones that I sell through other companies or through other uh, companies like uh, Fifty Nine Parks when I do my National Parks posters and things, or you know also the same guy owns both of them. He owns National Poster Retrospecticus as well, and I sell posters through him or through his company. I, I make a whole lot more because again oh, they're yeah, focused yeah. and they can I get a mm-hmm. I get a portion of those sales and those sell a lot better because they already have the 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 audience around it That's and they're buying it. Yeah, yeah. So because from, it's such it's hard. a hard thing to sell your own merchandise, you would think it would be easier. You think? But it actually, you, <laughs> I mean, you can sell them. It's just you're not going to make a lot of money out of it. It, it's just yeah it really is ha- it comes down to your focus like are, are you going to be focused because then are you going to ship them out like shipping out yeah. stuff sucks I but even really now there's things like you know printful <laughs> that's what we use for most of our yeah. a lot of our stuff that 
is print on but demand. But even that is not, you know, zero hassle. I've done it in the past. It's you still have yeah. to monitor and supervise it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you yeah. still have to, and you have to worry about, and, and it's very, it's still re- very restrictive because you don't get, you know, it's it's all very much, um, it's print on demand. So the quality, there is good quality things, but other things too. Like I, I mean, I you, like mugs and stuff aren't like mm. I, the mugs that we've done. I do a very simple design, so it's it, it's easier. It looks better, um, but there's still a lot of limitations, like and like the size that you can print your logo on a hat or whatever. Um, there's a and lot so- of limitations, so. And so for the companies that you've worked with that have, you know, commissioned your work and sold like posters, like you mentioned, 59 mm-hmm. Parks, uh, is that the name? I'm just, yeah, 59 yeah. Parks Project, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so how did, how did they find you or did you find them? He's a really good friend of mine. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, all these are connections. I, I, I always have a hard time telling people this, but it's like, it's really about who you know. And uh-huh. he trusts me to work on these. I, I did one project for him that he asked at the very beginning. He said, hey, could you do this poster for me? Somebody bail. I think it was. No, no. He just okay, so do a poster for me. I ended up doing it in two weeks. He said a lot of people that have been trying to do these posters take three months and maybe never get back to me. And mm. so I was the first person to hit a deadline for him. And he So was, you made a good impression. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he was like, he's a friend of mine. He's like, I wanted you to do it. So he, but he really liked that. And he liked what, you know, the outcome, like the, the, the project itself. And so he... Later on, it was supposed to be at the initially. It was supposed to be the idea was that all the different parks were going to be represented by different people. Every everyone's going to be a different artist. Um, mm-hmm. But somebody fell through for Yellowstone, and he called me up and he's like, "Hey, you were the only person that's ever turned these in on time, and I need it turned around in like two weeks. Could you yeah. get it done for me?" So I got to do another poster for him. And then after that, he's called me for several other. I've, we're doing pennants now. I've done um, maps now for all the parks, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's grown into a really big, but it all comes down to trust and who you know. Yeah, yeah. So you have a class on self promotion on Skillshare as well. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But it's, it's, so for your for you 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 haven't had to self promote that much, I guess. <laughs> In a different way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you kind of have to just. It's just your self promotion is like. Um, you, I still do reach out to folks. I mean, it, we most of our work comes to us. Um, yeah. And only when it slows down do I start panicking and start cold calling people. So <laughs> or, you kind of like, you do cold emails or stuff like that? I do do cold emails, but there's a very specific way that I do them. And it's hard to say, but I have like, when I when I do workshops, uh, mm-hmm. I, I show examples of how I would email folks and, and, uh, and reach out to them like, being very specific in the title, the title has to be something unique and, and oh, relatable. Really? Yeah. Like the title of like just your subject line, just trying to relate to that person. If they're into backpacking, I'm a, I'm a backpacker, um, like hiking. And mm-hmm. if that person, I know they are too, and I need to talk to them about, I need to get a job. <laughs> like I want to work with them. I'll yeah. say, Hey, from another backpacking buddy to another or something like that. Like that's, okay, what the, yeah. that's what the, that's what the subject line says. But typically so, when you reach out in that way, like that kind of cheeky way, you already kind of know them, <laughs> right? No, I've done this. I've done oh, this. Okay. I've, I've done this with, with random cold emails I and see. just kind of okay. said like, you know, cause it just sets yours apart from another, like, Hey, looking for work or Hey, hello <laughs> or yeah. you know, i, I want to meet another designer you're talking to meet about you. like the the title of the email your really, subject literally. line yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but there's like lots of little tips and stuff that i have within it to get people to open it up and to answer me and not beg for work and things like that but yeah so, self-promotion is a tricky one you really just have to you have to constantly be invested in other people's 
lives and be genuinely mm-hmm. like genuinely invested. So yeah. I will I will follow somebody on social media for a year before I ask them for work sometimes and like if it's a big company i'll find the person on linkedin who's over that specific thing that i want to do like the art director or creative director and uh because you can find that easily on linkedin you just look up the company you want and look at all the people who are do you strike up a conversation with them before you actually go for the ask basically sometimes what i yeah what i'll try to do is like when i'm i'll find them so i'll start following them on social media or whatever and i'll start commenting periodically on on their posts like genuine comments Mm. and start following and say hey i really enjoyed that or that was awesome and then i have talking points so when i actually do email them i can they they've seen my name pop up before Mm because i follow them and i've commented but then also when so it's not really a cold email so then i email them and i say something personable you know personal that that makes sense with them. Maybe they're into biking and I like biking or whatever it is. Like something like honest, it has to be an honest thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I'll kind of bring that up. And then in the actual conversation, I start talking about, I initially talk about them. It's always about talk them. Don't come in there and talk about you because they're not going to want to answer Yeah, email so the first thing you do is not uh, tell your, your story. Yeah. Yeah, you tell them what they did great that week. Like what project do you really admire that they just posted uh-huh. on Instagram? Um, that's what you tell them. And then you, then you don't, I, sometimes I don't even ask them for work. I just say, Hey, it's so great to meet, like to meet you. I just want to drop you a line and say, I really love those products you've been working on. I love everything you guys do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do. Yeah. That's a technique. That kind of stuff yeah. Well. Too. Yeah. It's just like, kind of like they kind of know, I guess you kind of assume that they kind of know that if they have a job for yeah. you, you would take it. Yeah. You're but, on their radar and you can yeah. even say something without asking you more, just be like, Hey, you know, it'd be awesome. It'd be like, it'd be like it'd be great to you know connect together or work on something together sometime like you know yeah. you're not asking you're just saying that'd be cool if it happened so then they know oh yeah they would like to work on something with me do you typically get answers on those emails or i do on a don't, lot of them right? a lot more yeah. than with using the techniques that i've done i've just told you I, yeah. I get a lot more because i've actually i've invested a lot more time and they've actually seen my name pop up before it's not completely cold because they know do oh, you mostly been, use linkedin or- uh, LinkedIn is just to help me find out who mm. I need to be in contact with because you can email somebody all day long and have the perfect email set up, but they will never answer your email because they're not the right person. Even if they did answer it, you're not talking to the right person still. So you yeah. need to find out who, like, for example, I work with, uh, I work with Target and Target's huge and they have so many different departments and branches of, you know, creative branches that, uh, that work on the, their gift cards. That's a specific person that just deals with the just deals with the gift cards. It's not just like he does gift cards and all these other things. Yeah, he's the gift card guy. So you need to talk to that creative director. How you do you find to, him though? Because you know, like you said, they're huge companies. So so that's like, how LinkedIn helps. Yeah, like LinkedIn. You can go on there and see uh, if you go type in a company. So you find the company name. Let's say Target. And then you're saying, and then you go under and it tells you all the employee, people that work for Target. Yeah. And you can look for the creative directors and they usually tell you what they're creative directors of. Um, oh, okay. I that's see. one way to do it. Yeah. You can kind of. Yeah, because they have so many research. different creative directors too. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll say like what their focus is, but you can also uh, just follow wh- the people that you really like. Invisible Creature did a lot of work for Target. And uh, I, I remember being a really big fan. Like, I mean, not remember. I still am a huge fan of Invisible Creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was. Uh, kind of researching, I, I didn't know who to contact with Target, but then I saw that they're doing a bunch of these gift cards, and I saw the name Ted Halber pop up, and I was like, "Oh, who's this guy?" <laughs> and yeah. I and I said, like, he was posting their work, and I was like, "Why is he posting their work?" And I found out he's in charge of the gift cards, and so I connected with him over time, 
And uh, I kind of just started following and reaching out. And then over time, it made more sense for me to reach out. And I like he knew who I was or of me. Mm-hmm. And then I got work with him. And he's a really cool friend of mine now. Yeah, because you, uh, you can really turn off someone if you start right out and just, you know, connect immediately and just say, like, uh, ask yeah. for a job, you know. He seems desperate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. And I don't know, a lot of the techniques you're talking about are actually quite similar to what you would do with art directors for, you know, editorial work as well. Um, Oh, yeah. Maybe a little bit more targeted because you are actually, you're having to know exactly what thing in the company you're going to, you know, what department you're going to talk to. Yeah. uh, As opposed to like, you know, art director of this publication. Magazine, yeah. 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 So that's kind of interesting. Um, I think we're, we're like close to the end here uh yeah i don't know if you still have like five to ten minutes i wanted to do the quick fire questions yeah go ahead (laughs) okay cool great uh so the first one i had for you was what's your and this might actually not be the perfect question knowing what i know now about (laughs) your process but favorite way to sketch like the your favorite way to sketch both in terms of tools but also in terms of the process procreate now (laughs) i I use it's the i love the apple pencil and it feels so natural drawing on the ipad pro i have like a a little covering on the like a screen protector that's matte oh yeah and so why do you uh, use that i i know a lot of people who do i i don't use one because i i figured like it probably like makes the colors really dull but it doesn't. That's the thing. Like it, it maybe so it doesn't look as like the the Glossy. image quality doesn't look as crisp. Yeah, it's a little. It's. I mean, it's still like I don't notice the difference now, but it's just very faint. Like there's a you know mm-hmm. obviously because you're putting a matte screen on it, uh, but the colors I feel like are are, are the same. It's just uh, like I have a really thin one. They're just like these cheap ones on Amazon. They're actually on my if you go on my Instagram account in the in the bio, mm-hmm. there's a link that has this and my whole setup all like links to everything that i oh cool yeah yeah about. i'll put those yeah but um but yeah it, it's it's been nice because i i don't like drawing on glass i don't like the mm. i don't like the sound of it, it like clicks all the time and sometimes it kind of i felt like it kind of catches and so this it just is very it feels it's very a little slippery yeah sometimes it's a little slippery yeah it's saw so, it's a little softer i don't know I, mm-hmm. I like i like having that protector on there um but yeah i, I i've started to i'll sketch on paper too but i've i've realized that the double tap with your two fingers oh, yeah. has been like my best friend. <laughs> yeah. It saves a lot of time too. Cause you can really move does. things around layers and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's, that's the process. That's cool. Uh, and so iPad pro or Wacom iPad pro. Yeah. Okay. Over the, the Wacom Cintiq. Yeah. I use the Wacom Cintiq. I have the newest best one there is. I mean, they're cool. I they're still... huge. They're, uh, expensive <laughs> and very expensive yeah i actually just did a video there's a video on, on my youtube channel that i know compares yeah. both yeah. but yeah i like the ipad pro yeah for daily use and just yeah it's mobile and yeah it's just more com- I'd, I'd rather draw on the ipad pro honestly the experience is way better but there's a lot of reasons why i still use this antique just right. for yeah yeah for photoshop and mm-hmm. yeah i used the astropad on the ipad pro for how did you like that I like it, it but I I use this I use the version that's you know not the free version I use the the paid version I find that one a lot better than the free version. Oh, that's really good to know. The free version I I couldn't deal with it because it there was I don't know there's like things you can't customize like 
it has like this cursor that follows you and it's it's really confusing. I don't like it. So Oh, that's yeah. I, I, I use the hard. the pro version. I don't I think it's called Studio. It's not very expensive, think, but it's still I mean it's worth it if you're gonna use it as like your yeah your tablet. Yeah, because I don't have a Wacom, so I would I just use the iPad Pro and I would connect it to my computer and have AstroPad. Um and that works well, but yeah, uh, th- that speaks to the other yeah the other reason why I like you drawing right on there. Even without, I try to go on Procreate as much as possible over Photoshop now because when I'm drawing on the iPad Pro, you have limited space, like you know, yeah. uh, around you. So when you have all like your your toolbars and everything from Photoshop, like that drives me bananas. And, and but <laughs> Procreate it hides all that, like we talked about earlier. Most of it's all hidden. You have to go find it. So if you know where it's at, it's great because then you can go get it. Um, but Everything else is very intuitive and tries to hi- it tries to give you as much real estate to draw as possible, so it feels really, uh, really good. I like that. Yeah, if you get an AstroPad, it also has that kind of ability because it kind of creates these little shortcuts for you. Oh, it that's puts good. You into yeah. this mode. Yeah. I clearly haven't used it enough. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nice, but um, I I don't think it's the same experience as a Wacom though, because the Wacom, I mean, first of all, they're usually really big. Uh, very big. Yeah. Yeah. The, the big ones, yeah. The Cintiq Pros, yeah. The 32 yeah. inches are 24. I have it's, a 24 It looks really inch. intimidating. I've never used one, but... It's my second monitor, too, which I really like. It, it looks <laughs> it looks like fun. Like, I would want one if money was no object, oh, yeah. but... You can you lay know. on it and draw, which yeah. is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you have favorite podcasts that you listen to? It doesn't have to be just about yeah. illustration. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of different... Well, I mean... I listen to uh, Radio Lab is my number one yeah. go to. I mean, Classic, uh, yeah. I really like. I, I've I've listened to like every episode since forever. Uh, I like. Um, uh, what's the other one? So actually, there's a new one called One Thing Real Quick. Mm. Uh, it's with my buddy uh, who who he does an amazing job on it, and I, I really, uh, I really, I really enjoy that one. His just came out, and uh, Evan McDonald is his name. And it's just it's a really short short format uh, questioning. I actually have an, uh, he interviewed me early on uh, for that podcast, but it's getting uh, very very popular. And uh, yeah, I, r- I really enjoy that, and especially. And then the other one is uh, Andy J Pizza. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, yeah, his, uh, his, his, the crea- his, creative pep talk. Creative yeah. pep talk. I really appreciate that one for you know I'm not one to to think that I have any struggles with with mental health, but it's kind of interesting once you start listening to a lot of these he you know things that he talks about the topics he talks about and i still feel that i'm like oh man maybe i was struggling with that or maybe you know maybe yeah maybe as a creative i was kind of don't have mental i mean it's just also he talks about self-doubt you know yeah anxiety i just think it's, it's very open it's very real mm-hmm. and and inspiring and stuff he's like got that. an That's amazing a, ability also to talk just the way he talks is very oh his personality is fantastic it's (laughs) so like yeah magnetic i I don't know i I really enjoy listening to him yeah he's very talented um uh do you have sources of inspiration it doesn't have to do just be illustrators or could be graphic designers could be um, sources of inspiration. I honestly just like antique shops. Like oh, I don't yeah. need. I mean, I could name off a million different artists that I'm inspired by, but um, I feel like going to antique shops and just finding things yeah. by artists, even if I don't even know who they are, it's just like there's something about the quality of the work or something that that's inspiring. So my if my if you look at my office, it's just a collection of 
stuff. A lot of antiques. <laughs> yeah, like Draplin style. I know he does this yeah. too. He has like a crazy collection of old stuff. Like just yeah, mine's yeah. just curated and put all over, uh, all over my office, all over my walls, and paint. It goes. I mean, it's all sorts of things. I have a lot of space stuff. I have a lot of a lot of old camping and traveling stuff. And yeah. I don't know that you can tell from my work that <laughs> I clearly like. Yeah, that. yeah, like things from like the sixties and yeah, a lot 50s. of it. A lot yeah. of that. Some yeah, it all comes from Adam. That era, I just love. I just love the yeah. colors and the subject matter that they, you know, made. But yeah, yeah. Um, favorite books. So I'm trying to think of. I, I haven't. To be honest, I haven't read a ton of books lately. I've been listening. I just listen to podcasts yeah. because I get super. I, I just like I like listening to things while I'm working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so think a lot of illustrators like, do. Yeah, like taking a break to to read is like I'll read all the time on my phone when I'm like you know articles and stuff like that. But for, I all my stories and stuff like that come from podcasts. But mm-hmm. I was I was actually just as like books that I really really liked uh, growing up. I really liked the the Michael Crichton books. Mm-hmm. Some are much better than others, but there, you know, a lot of like like Jurassic Park and Sphere yeah, and all these other yeah. ones that he has all these. Like, there's so many movies that are based off of his novels uh, that are not new. Like, only what is it? Only one of them was really good, which was <laughs> Jurassic Park, and the rest <laughs> of them were like no, like was it the one timeline? I think. Yeah. Um, but the like the books were awesome. I actually really really liked the books. But oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've never actually read them. Yeah. They're good. They're fun. He does all he he covers everything. Lots of adventure stuff. Yeah. Uh is there something you can't live without? Cereal. Cold cereal. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, and my family. And my family. <laughs> <laughs> that their second <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean to put that in there. That's the wrong order. Yeah. <laughs> family and then cold cereal. What kind of cereal? Oh man, so many kinds. Oh, you, know, you like, you... like no, yeah, like yeah, like Cereal and milk, that's like big bowl of cereal. Yeah. I'll have that breakfast, lunch, dinner. But you're oh, not you're not just like loyal to a particular cereal. No, no, okay. no, no. I I I'm a connoisseur of sorts, but I like all sorts of I don't really get cereal, cereal so I, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, yeah. I I I don't know, I think it goes back I, I my grand I remember spending a lot of time with my grandpa in West Virginia at his like farmhouse growing up and that's where my sixties stuff came from. I mm. stayed in my uncle's bedroom. And when I was there, cause he, uh, but it was, it was still like preserved as like when he was a kid yeah, and uh, yeah. he had all sorts of like science stuff and everything, but it was mm. all sixties, everything in that house was all sixties. And so I just remember that's what I was influenced by and out in the, it was on like a huge, like tons of acres, um, of woods all around it that, uh, I played in during the summer. So like my outdoorsy sixties, yeah. all that it's that's all i think that's all from that and then cold mm-hmm. cereal i think comes from also my my grandpa every night we'd have a big bowl of cereal before i went to bed and so then my mom does the same thing do you I go do for the, the sugary thing. stuff or the healthy stuff i mean if i had i i go for the a mix i mean okay. like, what yeah, is it like yeah. raisin bran you think is not like that i wouldn't classify it as a sugary cereal but it's sugar it has more sugar than most of them yeah um which is surprising but yeah i i've actually had to tone it down it down more my mom was a super uh really really into uh healthy eating when we were kids mm. and so we didn't really even have sugar in the house ever yeah and so we couldn't have that so growing up so i, I was like a cheerios grape nuts wheaties whatever yeah. yeah 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 um yeah what's your least favorite thing about 
being an illustrator? I think the hardest part for me is getting over separating you from your work and, and not like, I know you want yourself to be part of the work. I mean, in terms of like feedback and red tape, like different, like, you know, you're, when you're, when you're submitting projects, like with big, a lot of the, for me, commercial illustration, uh, I'll, I'll turn in work and then it has to go from one person's eyes to another person's eyes to another person. So I never know who actually needs to see it and who has the final say. And even if they do have the final say, they'll ask their niece what they think about the colors. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't care what color she thinks. It's not they, this, you know, it needs to be these colors. So it's all, it's hard because I'm so attached to what I create because it's part of me. Cause I created mm-hmm. it. And then you have to detach yourself from it. Once you've dish it off to the client a little bit um, so that you, you don't get hurt. And, um, and so that you can actually you don't make, take it personally. Yeah. You don't take it personally, but you can also give them something that they want. I mean, you, I, I preach a lot, give them what they need, not necessarily That's a what graphic they want. design thing too. I mean, yeah, it's something that graphic designers know very well. My wife is a branding, like does branding and graphic design. So, so, you know, yeah, they have to be able to do that. It's, you know, it's a necessary skill. So, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I feel like it's, for me, it's, I've, I'm getting way better at it. And you can kind of now, you can, I, I found a, like a good happy medium where I'm not just like saying, okay, I, like getting upset with the feedback and then just being like, whatever you want, I'll just give it to you. <laughs> um, like just to make you happy. Like yeah. now I'm like, okay, I could do that. I could do just, I could just change it all purple for you just to make you happy. But that's not what this project needs. And I know, so then I'll have to, so you I'll, have to I'll, make a case for it, but yeah. diplomatically mm-hmm. I'll yeah. push back. I'll push back more yeah. or I'll try to let them, which is what I, which is what brave the woods is known for is collaboration with the client. So when people, we onboard new clients, uh, we make sure that they know that when we're working with them, that we want their voice to be heard right away like i don't want them to come i don't want them to only be giving me feedback at the end of this project yeah i want them at the very beginning i want us to be talking about what Do you have a the very goals like are. kind of like structured kind of way yeah of, and yeah. like tons of milestones because i that way i'm not getting oh, too far yeah. down the hole like if, if you're and we're both held accountable so they know at this milestone you're gonna i'm gonna be giving you this i'm gonna give you this uh digital comp but you are gonna give me feedback in the next two days otherwise i'm gonna push the deadline back or you're gonna give me this like so that we both are held accountable to a, a timeline so i'm not stressing out about not having enough time because they didn't give me feedback or i get things checked off at certain points so i could be hey you've already said okay on this now let's move forward and let's not go backwards we've already checked that off you probably you said like we love the colors i'm not gonna let's not touch the colors we're past that milestone now and yeah. it really helps us just all stay on stay on the same page and for me it just helps me keep my sanity and really like working with clients still <laughs> yeah 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 that's that's really interesting um i i could keep talking to you for ages but i don't want to take more of your time uh uh, this but, has been fun. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. And I know you're really busy and you have a lot of different things that you're juggling. Uh, <laughs> so thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is this is uh, this is a lot of fun, and uh, it was great meeting you. Thank you. Thank you for listening uh, to this episode of the Illustration Hour. Um, I hope you liked my conversation with Brad. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode on our website, illustrationhour.com. And the exact URL you need to go to is illustrationhour.com forward slash Woodard. That's Woodard. So 
Wood, A-R-D. You can also find Brad on Instagram at brave underscore the underscore woods. Or you can go directly to his uh, studio's website, uh, which is bravethewoods.com. That's bravethewoods.com. Go check out his stuff. He is also um, on YouTube. You could just look for him there. And I will see you next week on the Elsertion Hour. Thank